This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Promises Behavioral Health. If you're struggling through the pains of alcohol or drug addiction or a mental health disorder, now's the time to seek the help that you need. Let this be an opportunity to get back on track and get back to finding the real you. You're not alone and Promises Behavioral Health is here and they can help you. Now we've worked with Promises for many years now. We know their teams personally. We have great relationships with them. And uh, most importantly, we trust Promises. And that means you can too. So here's what you can do. If you want to learn more about Promises treatment options uh, for you or your loved one, uh, you can go to promises.com slash sober guy. That's promises.com slash sober guy. Or you can just pick up the phone and call 888-205-1890. That's 888-205-1890. Tell them that you heard about them from that Sober Guy podcast. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramey. You're listening to that Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. Shout out to Humans Music. Be sure to check them out. Appreciate the intro. Always a good jam. Get started for the day. Hope you're feeling good today. Hope you're feeling positive. Hope you're ready to be uplifted and you have an open heart. It's always good to learn a little bit. We're going to talk about sugar today. Interesting, right? Who would have thought? I grew up on sugar. We had sugar in the house when I was a kid. Like, oh man, soda, cupcakes, man, it's always a tough one. So I thought about this topic today as it came up. I was looking through some throwback episodes and I wanted to share this one with you today being that so many people, obviously including myself, eat way too much sugar. Although doing much better today than I did as a kid or even in my teens and and, uh, 20s and back when I was drinking and still super unhealthy, definitely better today, but it is still a thing. Uh, Sugar's everywhere. Uh, And although I I don't necessarily know that I'll ever give it up completely, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I can say that being more conscious of it and being aware of the choices I make when it comes to sugar and food for that matter has really helped out. Uh, over the last couple of years, Uh, mentally, physically, um, probably in the best shape that I've been in. And I'm I'm about to turn 41. And, you know, I haven't been in as good a shape this year in the last couple of years, even in my 20s, just because I was super unhealthy back then between substances, food, sugar, go down the list. Um, I still love some ice cream. I love a slice of cheesecake. Don't get me wrong. But the fact of the matter is that large consumptions of sugar are just not good for our bodies, period. There's no way around it. So in this episode, I talked to author Michael Collins, uh, who's been completely sugar-free for over 30 years. And uh, Mike is the chairman of the board for the Food Addiction Institute, uh, which helps raise awareness about processed food and sugar worldwide. That's such another interesting topic. Uh, And I should probably have Jess on the podcast at some point to talk more about her, uh, this new path she's went down with 
only eating whole foods uh, and she had some issues with her stomach and it's, it's kind of an ongoing thing actually, but her diet has completely changed. We're so aware of the processed foods, the sugar. It, it doesn't, like I said, it's, we're not perfect. That doesn't mean like we ate in and out a couple nights ago. Like, I mean, it's one of my favorites. I don't think I'll ever give up an in and out cheeseburger here and there in moderation. Okay. So we got to, I think the consciousness of, of, our food choices and all the choices we make uh, so important. But uh, so Mike comes on and he has some great insight into this. Um, he's also the founder of sugaraddiction.com, uh, which has been helping thousands of people successfully quit sugar for over 13 years. So I wanted to share this with you. Uh, it's, it's a great, great podcast episode, some great info in here. So we have, we had a great conversation and then um, you know, at the end, he has some resources for you. If you want to check any of those out, um, I believe his website, yeah, sugaraddiction.com. Uh, his book is the last resort sugar detox guide. Learn how to quickly and easily detox from sugar and stop cravings completely. Uh, there's some other links is Instagram, YouTube, and, um, those will all be in the show notes for you as well. Uh, so we're going to get to Mike in just a second, but really quick, you can find all of our resources like our free 10-day guide to help jumpstart your life without alcohol. We have an amazing 30-day quit drinking dude challenge uh, that is uh, having some some great feedback from plenty of dudes out there who have taken the challenge and are 30 days plus uh, without alcohol. Uh, that's 30 podcasts in 30 days. You can get that at the website or at quitdrinkingdude.com. You can join our Sober Guy men's crew on the Locals platform, find more podcasts, meetings, and resources. You can get everything by going to thatsoberguy.com. And then be sure to follow us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Like I said, all the, all the links from today's podcast will be in the show notes. So I uh, hope you enjoy the podcast today. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, here is sugar addiction expert, Mike Collins. Uh, Mike, uh, good to have you on the podcast, man. Uh, appreciate you. I'm really excited to talk about sugar addiction today and learn a little bit from you, man. How's it going? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I know you've been doing this good work for a long time. We talked about it earlier, but uh, you, were, you were doing sober podcasts before they were cool. <laughs> I love it. I love that, I love man. It. Thank you. I appreciate that. Lots of good lots of good shows and content out there for sure, but I love uh, I love being one of the uh, one of the originals, I guess you could say, the man. Pioneers, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So, uh, man, so how did how did this kind of start for you? You've been in recovery for over 30 years. Um, you you kind of mentioned before we started that sugar followed that uh immediately but tell us a little bit about like some of your backstory so we can get to know you a little bit and then uh, how you went into recovery and then we'll jump into some of this uh stuff more particular to sugar yeah sure no i appreciate it um i mean i, I think i just grew up as a regular kid you know i mean my mom was my favorite sugar junkie you know she didn't mm. drink my dad drank but she didn't drink you know back then they and uh, even now, I think I don't want to get too political, but they called it the good girls drug. You know, so mm. she would, drink, she, you know, the family was all drinkers, and you know, she would use the sugar. And, uh, and she had a stash. I knew where it was, you know. And she really genuinely thought sugar was love for everyone. I mean, that's how she grew up, and uh, bacon and all that kind of stuff. And mm. we would literally eat sugar, bread and butter, and sugar sandwiches. You know, and we would have. <laughs> Kool-Aid with three times the Kool-Aid, three times the sugar, and uh, it's just that kind of thing. And there's an awesome video on YouTube. Eric Clapton, 
is talking uh, to Ed Bradley of 60 Minutes, and Ed goes, they're sitting in his $7 million Antigua treatment center, right? And Ed goes, so Eric, this whole uh, her- this whole uh, addiction thing started with heroin, right? And he goes, no, Ed, it started with sugar. He said, at five years old, I was stuffing bread and butter and sugar sandwiches in my face, sugar as much as I could to change my state. And uh, so basically, I didn't realize I was doing it. I don't think anyone does, right? And we'll talk more about that. But um, fast forward, run into beer and pot and every other kind of drug at 13 or 14. And I got sober at 28. We can talk about that if you want. I know that's you know one of the focuses of your show. I'll be glad to. But I think your folks will relate in the idea that I turned right back to sugar mm. at that point. I'm a pretty thin guy and I gained 15 or 20 pounds fast, right? And it's not like, um, you know, in college, you gained the freshman 15, right? This is people in recovery gain the freshman 50 in the mm. first year. I mean, they gain weight fast and they gain a lot of it, right? Yeah. Because they, I mean, it's in the big book a couple of times. They literally substitute sugar for the alcohol and the drugs, right? And everyone knows someone in the food program. Everyone knows someone, you know, in the program's, uh, adjacent, if you will, <laughs> the uh, offshoot programs of, uh, and, and those programs, 100% abstinence is required for recovery, right? Yeah. And again, we'll talk about that as we go on. But so I kept, you know, I, I started studying about it. I ran into a book called Sugar Blues, and it was, it was it's been around, it was published in the 80s, 70s, and updated in the 80s. And the guy that wrote it was married to Gloria Swanson, the movie star, right? Really? And uh, yeah, it was crazy. And uh, they met at a party. She's he's getting two lumps of sugar in his coffee, and she says, "I wouldn't have that stuff in my house, let alone my body." And <laughs> turns around, it's freaking Gloria Swanson. Anyway, they get married, and she helped him promote it in the eighties, right? So yeah. I read it, and I loved it. The, the, there's a great history lesson in it about. Uh, you know, empty boats leaving England, going to Africa, picking up slaves, going to uh, the Caribbean and, and, and America, getting rum and molasses and sugar and everything and bringing it back and how they grew an empire bigger than El Chapo ever dreamed of, you know, <laughs> I, mean, wow. I mean, it's like, seriously. So anyway, I, I ended up raising a couple of sugar-free kids. Uh, I, I don't know, my wife was in recovery at the, t- you know, we were, my wife at the time, I'm not married anymore, but uh, she was in recovery and we were, you know, we were into it, you know? And, and so they never had sugar in the womb until they were six years old. And yeah. that was probably the best decision I ever made in my life, literally, I believe. And so I went on to have a regular career, a regular business career, life kind of thing, online selling stuff. And, you know, and in the last few years I decided I want to do this the rest of my life. But 10 years ago, I grabbed the domain sugar addiction and I tried to put out information, Shane. I tried to put out information the best that I could, right? And some people would read it, right? You know, and they'd go to some of the books and stuff, and they'd write me, and they got success. But it wasn't for a couple till a couple of years ago, where I started doing coaching and groups and one-on-one stuff that really the explosion happened. And I found out it's just like any other recovery. And that you know, I call myself a twelve-step whisperer in that. I'm really just translating the anonymous stuff that was worked out in dusty church basements uh, for 40 years in the food programs and getting it out to the general public, you know, because a lot of people don't want to go to meetings. It's just this way it is. And so 
Yeah, I mean that's that's the short version. I mean, I can answer any questions or what have you, but no, I I, I think that's great, man. I think that's a good a good way to kind of jump into this. Uh, and thank you for sharing a little bit about the background, about your background. Um, you know the. I think that it's the sugar in general, it's so accepted. It's so normal. It's just, it's in, it's in tons of stuff. Right. And I can, yeah. you kind of brought me back. Even when I was a kid, I can remember my father coming out in the middle of the night, you know, two, 3 AM. Um, and you know, like, for me now, I get up at two, three a.m. I, I grab, I grab a drink of water, right? I'm gonna get a drink of water or whatever. This is no, this is no shit talking on my dad or whatever. But this is just what he did, man. He would come out, and he would open the cupboard, and I remember this shit clear as day. And I'd hear the the the, the wrapper opening up, and he'd open up a cupcake, a Hostess cupcake, and then he'd open the fridge after he ate that, and he and he'd crack a cherry coke, and he'd drink half of it and put it back in the fridge. And oh that was a normal, we had, so, that's, so this is kind of what I'm leaning to. I wanted to ask you about soda. Soda was a very normal thing in my house growing up. Mm. So we always had soda in the house, man. Dr. Pepper, wow. Cherry Coke, Coke. Um, is that a big part of where a lot of kids uh, start on or people in general is with, uh, is with soda? Oh, 100%. I mean, that's the... Uh, the other gateway drug. I mean, it's the gateway. I, you know, I believe sugar is the gateway drug and, and soda. I mean, I think 50% of the uh, extra sugar calories come from sugar sweetened beverages. You know, you know, like this is that for the first time in history, four medical associations agreed on something, right? The American, <laughs> Pediatric, Dental <laughs> American <laughs> Pediatric Dental Association, wow. American Pediatric Association of Pediatric Physicians, the American Heart Association, I always forget the last one, but they all, they made an announcement through the Robert Wood Johnson Association. Uh, it's the largest, one of the largest nonprofits in the world. And they said from zero, from the womb, from zero to five, that children should drink zero, not like a couple or little, some yeah. sugar sweetened beverages. Now they didn't go into other stuff and candy and cake and everything, but as far as beverages, children should drink zero. That that was amazing. Just the end of last year that happened. So yeah. Wow. They, I, I can't. I still can't get over the fact they actually all agreed on that. But that's. Amazing. I got I mean, That was amazing. Really. <laughs> and they so, made a joint announcement. It's crazy. Yeah. All together as one, unified. Love it. <laughs> um, so if we talk about sugar as the original gateway drug to other other drugs, I'm sure there's a lot of debate about that. Um, right. I'm sure there's a lot of different opinions. Uh, what's your take on the research you've done and your experience? Wow, thanks, because this, this is the golden key to the golden lock right here, okay? In, in a lot of recovery, and I don't want to get, uh, I don't know, too far down the line on this, but in the last five years, the, the science of the, around the brain science of dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA, even your adrenals, right? Oxytocin, the big granddaddy of them all, yeah. um, is exploded where we can watch it on MRIs, right? And they've done extensive studies and that the, uh, the deep neural pathways that are grooved, I mean, you take a little bit of heroin, you take a little bit of alcohol, you take a little bit of whatever drug, pill, it's a very small amount, and it hits this brain reward system, right? Um, uh, it's in the limbic brain, it's in our old you know, reptilian brain, and it literally hijacks it. And this is what was going on with your dad. This is what goes on with everyone because we grow up with this, if you're, you know, worried or sad or secure, you know, like uh, in pain, you know, your boyfriend breaks up with you at 15 or whatever. 
you have this ice cream party. Mm. And so we think worry, ice cream, worry, sugar, uh, yeah. uh, pain, sugar, um, anxiety, fears. And we, and so we, we equate the two, right? And then we're, we damp it down just a little with the hits of dopamine and serotonin. Heck, the, the name of the psych, psychoactive drugs are SSRI, serotonin reuptake, whatever. S, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they're trying to dial in, doctors are trying to dial in this formula so that we can manipulate our feelings that way. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, we've been self-medicating since we were children, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and if you go with anybody in a food program, all you got to do, everybody that's not listening to this is in recovery in some form, maybe, or thinking about it, go to anybody in the food program and talk to them about their recovery. It doesn't have anything to do. Yes, they have to have absence, like we have to have absence from alcohol and drugs. Yeah. But it has to do with their reordering of their emotions, right? Feeling their feelings again. I mean, it's well known that in alcohol and drugs that if you start using drugs at 14 or 15, that's when you stop growing emotionally, right? Yeah. Well, the folks in recovery from food or, you know, flour and sugar, they say the exact same thing. It's the exact same recovery, right? And then when they really master that, then they fall to a right-sized body and they, you know, they adopt you know, hundred percent abstinence. So yeah, it's, that's the, that's the main thing really. And it's that brain science that's growing in the, the substance use disorder world too. So, so how, how serious, um, I mean, this, I feel like this is kind of a, uh, could go any different ways. I guess that's why I'm asking the question, right? Is sugar, yeah. like how serious is a sugar addiction and how do you know, um, if you're addicted to sugar, is it something, I mean, is it just a constant diet type of thing or is it just like when you mentioned, like, I know stress for me is a big one. If I feel stressed out, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll turn to some sweets sometimes to make right. myself feel better. So there's that emotional eating aspect sure. of it. Yeah, no, it's a fair question. And, and, you know, you remember the comedian Rodney Dangerfield, he gets no respect, right? <laughs> yeah. Sugar gets no, sugar gets no respect yeah. as a drug, a psychoactive drug. But again, if you just talk with anybody in the food program, they, they, they'll tell you the same thing that they'll tell you that they used it just like we used alcohol and drugs or yeah. you know, whatever. But the bottom line is that, um, it's like, like regular recovery. If you have to ask the question, mm. then you probably have a problem with sugar. I, I like I have a quiz on the te- on thing, but if you make your way to sugaraddiction.com, yeah. you probably don't need to take the quiz. <laughs> but here's the thing. If people would just spend five minutes in my inbox, five minutes on my Facebook Messenger, they would know the pain out there. Because everybody, like when we were first getting sober, right? Everybody thinks that they want to learn to drink normally, right? Or they want people think that everybody else uses sugar normally. Well, that's just not the case. Yeah. They're using the same symptoms of hiding and sneaking and, you know, being ashamed and and going to literally go into two different, three different stores on the way home so that the person doesn't think of them as too much of a sugar addict. You know, I mean, I hear these stories all the time, day in and day out. So I'm here to tell you that normal is probably not something you want to be looking for. Man, that, that is uh, so I got, I have a confession to make Mike. So when I go in and my wife sends me to the store 
uh, to get some, uh, you know, some potatoes and maybe some some vegetables for dinner to complement the steak or chicken or whatever the hell we're having that night. Yeah, I'll go into the store and I'll get the stuff. And then as I'm walking by, there's a hostess rack right by the <laughs> checkout, right? And I'll grab that cherry pie or maybe a cupcake or something, and I tuck it under. I gotta tuck it under in the bottom of the the basket because I don't want anyone to see. And like. You know, I stay pretty fit. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I work out, man. I, I, I eat somewhat. I eat much better than I did before. I don't eat perfect, but man, I, I definitely eat a lot better. But there's still that little, that little part that needs that that fix or whatever of the of the sugar rush or the taste of it or whatever it is. Like, how do you? How do we get rid of that? Or how do we start to um, to even tackle that. I mean, I, I would imagine it's very similar to, you know, 12 step program that a lot of us work, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's uh it's good. It, it, it's a, you're not alone. Put it that way. Um, yeah, basically folks are um, at this juncture, when we get to be this age, we are basically just fighting off withdrawals. That's the mm. bottom line. When we get to be an adult, we are now in a place where most people and I don't know the numbers, but it, it's in excess of 90%, probably closer to 100, of adults in the developed world have not gone more than a day or two without some form of sugar. Yeah. And so when you consciously start to journal it, make a decision, and go into uh, abstinence from sugar and flour, you go into withdrawals, and the withdrawals are real. And if you add caffeine to it, forget about it. In the mm. third or fourth day, you're going to be incapacitated. Yeah. You're going to be um, weepy, emotional. Uh, you're going to have anxiety, uh, depression that's not a, you know, a mental issue. It's a physical depression because you're stopped pumping the dopamine and serotonin and everything manually, and you're – they call it literally down-regulated. They thin out. You have less dopamine receptors if you abuse sugar and alcohol, oh, wow. but you know you have less dopamine receptors. So they begin a process of healing. And in the first 10 days or 20 days, it's a nightmare. And these are people, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me, Shane, it'll blow your mind. Uh, so I, my parents were still alive two or three years ago, and I had not gone public with my substance use disorder. I was mm. anonymous, okay? Yeah. And then I don't know why, I, I mean, I don't know, whatever. But anyway, I decided that's enough. I, I'm, I gained, joined kind of more of the advocacy movement. And so when I went public, I had this flood of people into my sugar addiction coaching groups and, and, and all that kind of stuff who were recovering addicts, recovering alcoholics, recovering drug addicts, 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years sober, mm. had tried, been to a bunch of food group meetings too. They tried forever and they could not put down the sugar, right? Mm -hmm. To a man, to a woman, every single one that has now gotten off the sugar said it was harder to get off the sugar than it was to get off the drugs and the alcohol. Wow. Now that could be like a memory, muscle memory thing, I don't know, but yeah. that's what they said. And I believe it has to do with the socialization, right? It has to do with the, um, it's just everywhere, it's, in yeah. everything and yeah. every celebration and our culture now just adopts it as anything everything even just a regular night out includes dessert you know yeah so yeah so it's been a it's the you know it's a tectonic shift that's happening just like the advocacy the recovery advocacy movement and the redu reduction of stigma is this is one that we're you know we're 
a few years into that. Yeah. This is brand new. It's like condoms in bathrooms, drinking and driving, mm. seatbelts in cars, smoking in public. These, it's going to take time for the science to get out there and yeah. to, and for the people who have recovery to get out. All right. I'm on my soapbox, but no, you you're good. I got, no, I, I, I love it. And, and, uh, yeah. I, it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm sure that, um, the food industry alone has a lot to do with that influence oh. on, uh, you know, without, without jumping too far down that hole, I'm sure, I'm sure. I mean, hell, I don't care. We, I mean, we can, but I, I had one quick question for you first. Like what can, what can people expect when they start to detox from sugar and actually get off it, like what what kind of stories do you hear that of people when they quit sugar for 30, 60, 90 days and then they go on to live um, without really putting any sugar in their diet? Like what changes for them? Oh, good question. Yeah. So night sweats is very real. Mm-hmm. Uh, people uh, sweat at night. Um, you're hungry for 30 straight days or more, you know, because your delivery system for heroin isn't either. Your delivery system for alcohol is drink, whatever. Yeah. But this is food. And this, un- remember I said the limbic brain is hijacked? Literally every system in your body uh, is trying to get re-ingested so they can get this dopamine hit, right? Wow. And so you're hungry all the time, but you're not really hungry. That will pass. You come to a point where you're not that hungry, right? And the, the key part, and this is lore, literally in the science of uh, weight loss and, and everything, is when people lose a bunch of weight, it's usually because they gave up some white stuff, flour, sugar, whatever. Mm-hmm. They all gain it all back and then some. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is similar to pause. You're familiar with that post-acute withdrawal syndrome? Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's in drugs and alcohol and everything. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens in sugar, right? After you're physically off it, and it's not as, you know, I actually personally think in some cases it's just as bad as alcohol withdrawals and just as bad as some other withdrawals from drugs. Um, but you know, I'm not, I don't need to go there because people do it. But what happens is after day 30 it becomes a mental game, right? It, it, you know, it becomes your emotional well-being, your growth. You have to, you have to understand, you have to go to yoga, take a walk, call a friend, uh, get a hug. You have to do other emotional uh, recovery things that usually take effort get getting up off the couch yeah. you know you can't just reach for sugar is it's changed because you've got to get your dopamine going again you know yeah. you know heal up there so oh, for the first year it's it's a it's a fight and people have varying degrees of success without support mm. right and I, never, I hear this all the time well i was you know down 30 pounds it was uh, i was four months in and there was a birthday party and I've been off the wagon for six months again and I'm back. You know, yeah. I hear this every single day, every yeah. single day in my groups. I got 4,500 people in a private group and every day we have an anniversary, but also we also have somebody coming back, right? Oh, yeah. Because it was time to answer your question, which is it takes support. It takes time. It takes understanding. It takes a real recovery. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of diets out there, right? We, a lot of, you know, we hear carnivore diet, uh, Atkins, mm. the keto, uh, one question I wanted to, to kind of have you touch on was the keto flu. Uh, so I was kind of <laughs> interested, is that just sugar withdrawals or what is the keto flu? That's exactly right. The keto flu is sugar addiction. Mm. It's sugar withdrawals. It's sugar addiction withdrawals and it's, it's ultra processed carb withdrawals, flour too. Yeah. 
And we have a lot of folks out from the keto diet who can do everything but on the diet but get off sugar. I had a guy, he's a, um, a client, he, he lost 100 pounds on keto, but he was he had plateaued, and it's been a couple of years, and he had 60 more pounds to lose, and he just kept going back to the sugar. And when we put it all together, it was about a woman. It was about a relationship that he had oh, wow. that was 10 years old that was not that great, you know? And when he set boundaries and then they finally broke up, he got off the sugar. So it's, it really, and it took putting two and two together, which a lot of people don't equate, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, so, no, that's, uh, that's interesting because that's very similar, uh, or it sounds at least a little bit, like a lot of people with addiction issues um, suffer from trauma or had emotional experiences 100%. where they never dealt with it. They stuffed it down. They didn't talk about it. They didn't forgive. They didn't, you know, all that stuff. So you're saying that this same type of stuff can happen with sugar. Oh, believe me. Yeah, it's that is like crazy. that, that you're, remember we talked about the, you know, reaching for the sugar when you're stressed or worried or yeah. fearful, right? Well, same thing with the, you know, ACEs, the adult, uh, the, uh, what is it? The, the children experiences, the adverse childhood experiences. It's like old trauma. It's common. I mean, we all know about it in the recovery of alcohol and drugs yeah. that you have to get some some closure. You have to feel those feelings out of old trauma that you stuffed down with the alcohol or the drugs. Same thing with sugar. Mm. I mean, the, the numbers in, in treatment centers are like women who have been eating disorder, over 50% have some sort of trauma or sexual abuse that they're overcoming, you know? Wow. So it's very, I mean, and people don't give it the shrift or give it the, the, the respect that it can also tamp it down, you know, by the, it becomes a process addiction as well because you're always chasing after the food. You're always hiding the food. You're always, yeah. you know, whatever. But there also is a psychoactive component that is powerful enough to keep those emotions down. And so when you go into recovery, to go back to your last question, these emotions start to surface. Mm. And if you don't have alternative methods, yoga, walking, running, exercise to, to combat it, then you're there left naked to deal with these emotions. Right. Yeah. And so that is a, you touched on it, man. That's a huge part of recovery from wow. food stuff. What about substitutes? So, I mean, is there any safe substitutes, especially to help people in the first, you know, 30, 60, 90 days um, that can help with that with versus just, you know, cold Turkey, no sugar. Uh, what do you recommend? What is there? Is there anything out there that people use that's safe and works? I'm not being sarcastic. I'm sure. really not. I'm trying not to yeah. be. It's like, it's like people say, can I drink beer? <laughs> can I give, give up the whiskey? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, yeah, it'd be similar to like a non-alcoholic beer, I guess, right? It's yeah, like, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, that you, we know. I don't know what your yeah. thoughts are, non-alcoholic beer. I, yeah. but it's like, it's like the, the remember back to the dopamine, it's like wired together, fired together. Okay? Yeah. Okay? It's like, so it's like the sweet taste is abnormal for us at lar in large volumes all day. Okay. Mm -hmm. And every snacking event is really not a snacking event. It's an emotional event. Okay. Now that's an important mm -hmm. kind of construct. But moreover, to answer the question is when you get the stevia or the whatever, whatever, monk fruit, all these health food kind yeah. of sweeteners kind of thing, or xylitol, whatever, your body doesn't know the difference. It, it, it thinks it's the regular and then it start your mind starts to go a process, especially in the early days, right? Yeah. And what happens is after 90 or so days, 
anything like that tastes like syrupy sweet. It's like, ugh, yeah, you, you know, you probably had that too sweet feeling even now, but once you get off it, it's even magnified it's worse, so much. Huh? It's worse. Yeah. So yeah, I, I suggest in the early days to not do that and then to readjust your taste buds. And then later, if you want to add, you know, low glycemic, low fructose, we haven't talked much about fructose, but low fructose berries, strawberries, blueberries, that kind of stuff, and see how it works for you, then try yeah. it that way. But to try and get away from the sweet for a time. I mean, we're all adults, Shane. If I told you not to eat steak for a month or two, you'd say, ah, I like steak, you know? <laughs> but you'd do it, right? Yeah. And just because just you would see how it would work. You would do the experiment, right? Well, people can't seem to do this experiment because of all the things we've been mentioning, right? They can't seem to do it simply because there are other factors at play in their brain and yeah. in their behavioral processes. So. so it's much more, much, much more, much deeper than just the sugar. Same with the alcohol. I always tell people, and when I share my own thoughts on my drinking habits and addiction issues, it really wasn't about so much the the alcohol. I mean, yeah, that was a piece of it. It continues, you know, it's, that's always going to be a piece of it, but there was so much more to that. That was just the tool I was using to cope with all the other crap that I had never dealt with before. Um, it takes a little bit to, to admit that and be transparent about that, even to yourself. So that's yeah. the challenge, you know? Yeah. No, thanks, man. Yeah, that's, oh, that's good. Um, social events. You said you have one one rule. And if you follow this rule, social events can be a little bit easier. So if I'll give an example. Let's say um, we're at a, a a tailgate at the Oakland A's game, which now, uh, right now, see, I wasn't going to say anything. I wanted to keep this timeless. But right now in this moment, MLB has been pushed back and uh, delayed as of many of the other uh, uh, sports for the first time in like history, I think. But anyways, beside the point, uh, opening day, we were planning on going tailgating. There'd probably be some barbecue. There'd probably be some cookies. We're at this social event. Like what's the one thing that we can do if we follow this rule that we can help stay away from that sugar? Yeah, one of the major components of, of this is the social piece because it is so social and, and everyone's doing it kind of thing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of tricks that I've used, these are tricks. These are actual, you're going to need them. Yeah. Um, you know, the best thing is to have a, a sugar-free buddy with you, but that oh. always helps. Or have a, you know, someone you can get on your phone up to. Yeah. But uh, I always say, people say when they offer me something, I say, does that have sugar in it? I can't have sugar, right? And just the actual question or the statement, I can't have sugar. I've done this for 30 years in restaurants and, and parties and everything all over the world. And, and people immediately become your advocate. They're like, they think that you have diabetes. You don't, oh, only two wow. people have ever asked, both those waiters had diabetes, right? And so they don't even ask. They say, oh, I don't know. No, I and they really start to help you. They become an advocate for you. Yeah. And you don't have to say anything more. You don't have to like go into detail. You don't have, one of the things you can't do, I would not do, especially at a tailgate party, is to start a discussion about it, right? Because that <laughs> yeah. it always ends badly. Totally. It always ends badly in the early days when you're not really strong, right? Yeah. It might yeah. end up with you using the product or whatever. Yeah. So I would just suggest that there's simple. a little stealthness in the early days. That's hopefully that'll answer it. But yeah. And also more importantly, that there's somebody on the phone, you can step away from the party and just say, man, these guys are pounding this stuff and <laughs> I, I can't take it anymore. And say, I understand. Yeah. I understand it. Just those three. I understands will 
help you go back to the party. So that's important too. Good, good stuff. So even maybe, what about this? Like, can you say something like, ah, you know, um, I cut, I'm, I'm cutting out sugar for 30 days. I want to see how I feel or something. I mean, is they make it a contest or is that, what do you think? Oh yeah, that? no, no yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of couple tricks and, and yeah. one of them is that. That's a good one actually. Yeah. Uh, another one is that's not my food mm. or, or something like that. Or, or I don't, I, I, not I can't eat that or I, yeah. I don't eat that. I can't remember which one it is. But yeah, I mean, it's like there are tricks that, language tricks that work too. Yeah. You know, where you're reinforcing yourself and putting, you know, you're setting a boundary. Right? What about, what about if someone says, why don't you eat sugar? And you go, because I'm better than you. How about that? <laughs> I, because I'm sweet enough, man. I'm sweet enough. Someone asked me that and I said, as a joke, why don't you drink? Cause I'm better than you. I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, man. No. Um, okay. So th th this was the big question that kind of got me. Um, one of the ones I wanted to, to touch on a little bit with you. Um, I have two kids, right? And I already mentioned kind of how, how I grew up. A lot of soda, a lot of sweets. Um, sure. Loved it as a kid, of course, but right. obviously led to other things in my life, addiction, and even today, a, a, a struggle with sugar myself. Um, I would like to say that, uh, that, that we haven't followed in the same footsteps as that. Um, I think I'm mm -hmm. a little more aware of it. But unfortunately, uh, sugar is, is probably a pretty big part of our kids' uh, diets and, mm. and, and a lot of, uh, you know, snacks and little, of course, burnt cakes. I mean, all that kind of stuff, right? Especially with my son. So for those who have children out there, like myself, um, you know, and, and we'd like to at least start to be very mindful about this and start to make some changes, start to at least to start consciously thinking about it. How do we raise children uh, in a no sugar or, or very minimal sugar uh, type of environment when it's all around us. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. I, I, you know, it's become a passion. We started a little Facebook group and it just exploded. People are very interested mm. in this and it's like, um, you know, I did raise a couple of sugar-free kids and, I, and uh, to answer to your question, it has, has to be broken into two parts. Okay. okay. Simply because, from the womb till four or five years old, we have 100% control of what our children eat. Sure. You know, very rarely do we leave them alone or if they have to go to daycare, there's a way to, you know, to, to handle that too. But I just believe that first thousand days is so important in brain development. Now science mm -hmm. has proven it out. I interviewed a guy for our summit. He said, you know, this entire book, he's a doctor. It's all, he's been on Dr. Drew and everything. It's entirely based on the shrinkage of the brain, the sugar, right? And so the, the brain science is now, you know, it's not 100%, but, you know, you're just giving that child that leg up in the world, you know? So, and, and there's no reason, there's no like social reason. There's no other reason not to have them sugar-free like the American uh, the, the study we talked about yeah. um, or the announcement we talked about. And so that's one thing, but the most part, which is another 95% of population yet is that when they've start, already had it, you know, they already have had sugar, they're experienced with it. They know what it is. They, they crave it. They, you know, they want it. They want to be inclusive in their birthday parties and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I'm going to throw you a little curveball. My friend <laughs> uh, is that it's, like the airlines, you've got to put your oxygen mask on first. Huh. Like my beautiful, yeah. loving, sweet mother, she told us not to eat too much sugar, but she always <laughs> had a stash, you know, yeah. and she was, you know, 
we knew where it was and we yeah. knew exactly how much was in it, how much we could steal. And that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, so at the end of the day, between five and 11 or 12, they just want to be like you. Mm-hmm. They, you know, I have a coach. She was, uh, her mother owns a bakery still, right? So the child's grandmother owns a bakery and the grandmother will not have any of the sugar free stuff, but she went through our program. She became one of our coaches and her daughter is nine. Okay. And she started the process by doing it herself first and then starting to talk honestly, openly, and transparently about it. And now we have a nine-year-old sugar freedom addict because wow. when she goes to a birthday party, they don't have it much at home. They, she, get, she comes back and she has a tummy ache. And she says, oh, Mommy, I have a tummy ache. And it's like, <clears throat> well, it was probably because of the sugar, you know, because she yeah. is not experienced with it anymore, right? So it is a longer process and it does take some, some hard conversations, probably some crying, you know, you've all seen the kid in the, in the grocery cart trying to get to the candy, right? (laughs) Screaming at the top of his lungs, right? He can't, he doesn't even have words yet, Shane. He doesn't, he can't say, mommy, I want candy, but he knows he wants that candy. He knows what it is, but he can't even articulate it. So that's a, that, that would be a clue. But anyway, it's a, I think it's worth doing. It's probably going to be what I'm going to do, spend the rest of my life doing, trying yeah. to educate people that this Great, may man. be something that they want. I mean, I, I wanted to tell the parents out there, if they feel like they're suffering, if they weight has been an issue of some of these topics that you and I have talked about resonate, then don't do it to the kids. I mean, yeah. you have control of that food supply. They, they can't go buy food before they're, 12 or 13 and most allowances. I thought back on this when I was a kid, I never got enough money to do anything. I never got enough money to get anything. I would have had to save and I wasn't that good at that. And so all of my allowance, quote unquote, went to candy, right? So. Yeah, ice cream man. The ice cream man's coming. <laughs> right, the ice cream, ice cream man. man. I'm chasing him. I'm chasing him down. Um, Again, another soapbox, Ron. I don't mean to be uh, that way, but it, there's the pain that I see day in and day out. Yeah. This just changed me a little bit and it made me more of an advocate. Well, I, th- I think, I know, I, I, and I, I appreciate it because I think it's honesty and sometimes being honest is tough. I love the mm-hmm. analogy of the oxygen mask. I think that's great. And when you said that, it made me think, you know, like, so my son, uh, his name's Cash, he's five. And mm. you're, you're so right, man. He, he looks up to, to me, man. I'm his idol. And I, I, there's nothing more in this world that I love more than that, man. He's my little, my best buddy, man. We call each other. Oh, you're my best buddy. You're my best buddy, dad. It's mm. great, man. So, so what, I, what I was seeing though is when we go to the gym, right? Like it's a couple of weeks back. I shared this a couple of episodes ago. Um, and I, and I, did a, I did a podcast actually. And I can't remember if it was titled Monkey See, Monkey Do. That, that was something that came up. But that old saying, right? Monkey See, Monkey Do. And so mm. we're at the gym. And we're swinging kettlebells, right? And and uh, and I look over. There's a kids area that's close by, and I look over, and Cash is doing the same thing, man. He's swinging kettlebells. <laughs> He's trying to do the same thing we're all doing. He's running around, and I'm just cracking up. I'm like, yeah, man. And I'll come home, and he'll be in here working out, trying to. I'm trying to get buff, Dad. You know, so he sees like the way that I live my life you know, working out, going to the gym religiously, trying to get it in as much as I can. Well, he also sees dad eating ice cream and sneaking a cherry pie and, and eat and eating a couple cookies one. Oh yeah. Hey bud, let's go grab, let's go grab an ice cream or whatever. And I think to some extent, okay, I don't know, 
you know, what the, if there's a safe area in that, I don't know. But what I do know is that he sees that shit and it's so good. Um, you know, I'm glad this is kind of coming to my attention that he's going to, he's going to do what he sees. And so mm-hmm. maybe if I can start to, to I'm going to take it one step at a time, maybe slowly try to start cutting that out, at least, yeah. uh, you know, being more aware of it, that, that can help. So good yeah. stuff, man. I appreciate it. Now the awareness is key. You start to, I think there's a saying meeting, screw up your drinking, you know, but this is awareness. <laughs> and this is the same thing. You know? Yeah. Even when, you know, if you go back, it's just not the same after you have the awareness. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good, man. Yeah, meetings screw up your drinking. At our uh, our club here, uh, the Alano Club, it's funny because the 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 wall, the back of the wall where, where the person's secretaries or chairs the meeting, mm-hmm. the other side of that wall is a bar. So you can hear <laughs> the irony in this. Like, you know, you have a choice walking up. You can go into the bar or you can go right. into a meeting. And oh, uh, man, I'm, I'm glad I go into meetings much more. That's for sure. But, <laughs> right. uh, any, anything else we miss, Mike? I mean, anything else you want to touch on or any last minute advice or thoughts? Uh, where can people find you at? All that, all that good stuff. Yeah, they can find me at sugaraddiction.com. I, you know, there's a free book there. It's a, it's on Amazon too, but you can go to the site and download it for uh, sugaraddiction.com. You see a big yellow book there, the last resort sugar detox. And nice. Kind of tell my story a little more of my kids and all that kind of stuff and my getting off the stuff. And I talk a little bit about getting sober, but, you know, I'm, I'm working on something, another book on that, but uh, that's free. But one thing I did want to tell you, and you and I talked about it early on about your pioneering uh, work in the, uh, in the sobriety podcast stuff. What I found is that folks that succeed now, this is like early adopters in the tech space, right? You're up there in that world. Uh, you know, yeah. early adopters in the tech space, uh, people who get off, people that have had success with us, people that have had success, period, in some way, shape, or form are pioneers, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're not afraid to go against societal stuff, right? Yeah. They're, they've done well in athletics or they've done well in their career or, or in, in school uh, or some other. They're a great knitter. In their family, they, they're, they're a pioneer, right? And so these newer folks, these these uh, these uh, pioneer type folks, they're just they'll get their own information. They'll do their own research. They'll group. They'll search out their own new tribe, and will you know not that they're going to leave their family or their old tribe, but they're going to know some new people, and they're willing to do that. That's just anecdotal at some yeah. level for me, but I see it all the time. You know, I see it all the time. So. Don't be afraid of society's view of this now, you know, just like years ago when, you know, recovery advocacy was just starting. Same thing here. People need, uh, are going to need, you're going to look like a genius. This is the right side of history, Shane. People, you know, so science is going to be able to tell you quantitatively in a decade why it's bad for you, you know, and the world changes on something called continuous glucose monitors, which is put it on or it's non-invasive on a Fitbit where you can watch your blood sugar all day. And you'll know when you eat that cherry pie, that thing goes crazy. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So there's there's a lot coming. And uh, don't be afraid to be an early adopter, I guess, the best thing we can I'm, I'm going to start thinking about the cherry pie funeral. I'm going to start planning that we're going to have a ceremony. Uh, we may bury, we may bury a box of cherry pies underneath in a, in a cache somewhere that's, uh, I might have to cement it with concrete so I can't get into it in a, in a moment's I love it. notice. I, love it. <laughs> no, well, man, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you, 
I mean, I'm sure you know this, and I'm not going to be blowing smoke up here, whatever, but you could sway a lot of people if you were to out loud live this attempt mm. to go sugar-free. Yeah, that's good. You really could, you know. I'm going to give it so, a shot. I might have to lean on you and, and holler at you, uh, you know, a little I'm bit here, and bro, say, no hey, man. <laughs> I sponsor, sponsor yeah. 100 people getting off drugs and alcohol. This is... This has been more fun than all that put together. Really? Yeah, that's great, man. That's great. Well, yeah. Mike, man, I, hey, I appreciate you uh, out there listening. Find Mike again at sugaraddiction.com. Uh, he has a great Facebook group uh, that you can join, and uh, it's facebook.com slash quit sugar now. Uh, what about your Instagram handle, Mike, and Twitter? You know, I'm, it's a crazy story. I don't know if you know this, but, you know, Facebook doesn't like the term addiction. They don't like any malady, diabetes. They, you can't yeah. use any malady. So literally they've been throttling me. Mm. So my my Instagram and all those handles are now moved to sugar-free man. Got it. So, got it. Okay. Yeah. Sugar-free man. Okay, cool. And we'll, guys listening, we'll put all these links there in the show notes so you can go, uh, just go into the show notes and click on it. You can find the download of the book, all that stuff on there. Mike Collins, man, thanks. Thanks again, brother. It's good to meet you. Uh, really good to help get some education about this. And thanks for all you do, man. You're helping a lot of people and uh, you obviously helped me today and hopefully those out there listening. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast with Mike Collins. Uh, if there's anything I can help with, it's whether it's finding uh, some resources, getting connected, uh, joining our Sober Guy men's group, uh, you can reach out and find all of our resources and a contact button at thatsoberguy.com. I hope someone spoke to you, to, uh, spoke to you today. Share the podcast with a friend. Connect with us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Peace, love, and respect. Make sure you check out Mike at sugaraddiction.com as well. Keep your blood clean.